Hello. Hello. This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. We've got an excellent episode for you today. Yeah, definitely. Definitely do. Yeah, we do. We always do. What was that? That was the air coming out of the room. We've It's just the two of us. No guests today. <laughs> no guests. No, no guests. guests. But you know what? There's good justification for that. There's been some massive, uh, massive events. Huge uh, news. Globally and locally. Yep. Uh, globally, of course, we're talking about... The leave vote in the UK. Uh, Brexit. Yeah, Brexit, leaving uh, leaving the European Union um, and the instability that's caused in in the UK and, and potentially globally and what that means for the real estate market here. And locally? Locally, we have the uh, independent advisory group uh, that came down with some recommendations for the real estate council and, and how realtors should be regulated here in the lower mainland and what that means. Here, here, long overdue. Yeah, what that means and what uh, what our thoughts are. Yeah, you, you sure. might you might get a sense of what Adam's thoughts are already. Well, I think there's some good that came out of it. But, definitely, uh, not, definitely. Yeah, so we'll see. Uh, anyways, uh, why don't we? Uh, well, well, how's your week been? First, yeah, start maybe. start with. I haven't seen you in a while, so what's new? Yeah, well, there's absolutely nothing new with me. Um, my family's actually out of town uh, on on summer vacation, which uh, allows they don't me take to. You, they don't take you with yeah, them. Yeah, no, it's, they have a vacation away from me. Uh, I'm actually headed out in, in about 10 days or so. But uh, yeah, this kind of allows me to work a little bit more than I usually do, which is, right. uh, you know, a good or, good or bad thing. Uh, it's a, You're getting a lot done. At, at the very least, yeah. It's, it's been a, a strong couple of days so far, and I expect that I'll be working pretty hard. So so nothing too exciting on that front my right. end. Um, more importantly, or more excitingly, uh, you took possession of your new place. Yeah, and we're going to be... Uh we're going to be updating kind of on the on the process of the reno. Obviously, it's it's hard to update when you're still in the permit process and and things are kind of slow moving at the city. But we did get keys. We're in. Uh, we're currently peeling up layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of carpet. Yeah, uh, I was there on the weekend, and it looks um, there's a lot of carpet. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of carpet. There's a lot of linoleum, uh, right. a lot of different types of flooring. It's like the last, it's like a museum of 60 years of different types of carpet and linoleum. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and tile. And so uh, it's, it's kind of exciting, too, to it, f- see what's going to be. It's, you know, it's it like is. unwrapping presents. <laughs> it was yeah, every layer so. of carpet. Yeah, yeah. It was nice of them to just stack the layers on top of each other to, to actually leave you for the leave you with the presents. Yeah. Well, we actually we we did pull up the carpet in the kitchen, and there's this really uh, it's almost come full circle, but there's this um, avocado uh, green um, uh, linoleum if flooring in the kitchen, which is actually kind of stylish. So uh, we're not keeping it, but uh, <laughs> it's. <laughs> It looks good. It looks good. So we'll we'll update the uh, Facebook, uh, our Facebook. Yeah, page you've taken some, some photos. photos. I just uh, posted a photo on Facebook on one of the bedrooms um, that that caught my attention. Yeah, uh, we'll do some show notes as well. 
Yeah, but yeah, sure. we're just kind of getting to know the area. And actually, you and Chris and I, uh, our other brother, had lunch in the area uh, last week and, and uh, checking out restaurants. We ended up at Harvest, which is a fantastic uh, little restaurant there. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's uh, pretty good, busy at lunch. But Yeah, good good place. Had some lunch, grabbed a coffee after, sort of walked around. I think Chris was... Uh, um yeah you were kind of showing him the highlights of the the neighborhood and yeah, um, grabbed the coffee at finch's yeah um and funny enough i'm I'm staring at your near broken arm right now and uh the arm funny, that's almost half <laughs> pretty much dislocated yeah, from my body yeah the the uh that seems to be the the funny part that came out of that walk around we were walking around what uh, what street was it? Actually? That was on Gore. On yeah. Gore, I'm trying yeah. to even remember. Uh, we're walking down Gore, and we there's a like an open air gym. Uh, gym? I don't know if gym defines what it is. A open air dojo. <laughs> That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there was a jujitsu club or MMA, MMA fighting, kickboxing. Uh, yeah, yeah, but it was a nice day. Uh, they it's wide open. There's guys in there in incredible shape. It's kind of twelve thirty one in the afternoon. They're we all, had all just eaten too much. Yeah, we're all walking around in I'm sort of ill fitting suit, feeling uncomfortable and <laughs> uh, and uh, and we body shaming by, each other. <laughs> <laughs> we walk by this gym where there's loud hip hop and ripped, uh, ripped yeah, everybody's uh, people, in incredible uh, shape, and they're just it's like man, what where did we where do we go wrong? Uh, <laughs> and yeah, but it, but anyway, so so this thought as I'm walking by, you know, stuck with me for about three seconds, and then I think I jumped into a corner store and bought a chocolate bar. <laughs> uh, but it stuck with you; it lingered with you a little bit longer. Well, it, it was yeah, I was I you know I mean we're checking out things in the area, so I thought well maybe this will be my new gym. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to make your presence felt. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. I don't yeah. know why. Hi, I'm uh, new to the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. Now I also know how to fight. Well, I knew how to jump ropes. So I thought maybe I could just uh, go and hang out for the warm up. It translates. Yeah. But they have a six thirty class, so I, I went down and uh, the next day, right? You went down uh, a couple of days later. I let it. I let it soak <laughs> in, but. Uh, Couple of days later, went down. Just tried out the, uh, and it, I gotta say, you're I, just gonna I, punch the heavy bag. Or? I, it's just gonna work twelve <laughs> rounds on the heavy bag and call it a day. But turns out there's actually organization to the class. <laughs> and uh, no, I mean it's super welcoming, warm reception at the gym. But uh, just I ended up partnered with uh, George St. Pierre, basically <laughs> holding pads for him. And um, yeah, long story short. Um, I uh, I ended up kind of well. This uh, he kicked through the pad, so it's not like I didn't block it. I blocked yeah. it with, the and pads. it's not like you weren't holding pads. Oh, I was holding <laughs> huge pads, and <laughs> and uh, somehow yeah. uh, somehow still my arm is loosely dangling from my <laughs> the side of my my body, barely there. Yeah. It looks like it's honestly been been put through a cheese grater. So, yeah. uh, anyways, but I, I will be back. I'm just. Uh, I'm I'm gonna sleep it off. Yeah, it's uh, not, it's not gonna impact your business. But I'm uh, 2017. I'm making a return yeah, to that gym. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say this just confirms my the general rule of mine that you, after 35 you shouldn't do anything <laughs> that uh, resembles exercise at all. Yeah. Oh come on. Yeah. Maybe we should move on to uh, what do we have to talk about first? I guess you want to cover Brexit. Yeah, or let's should we do move? let's do Brexit. I mean, so so the the key thing here we actually we're drawing. Um, 
on an article that came on the Globe and Mail uh, yesterday, which was it was Monday the yep. July fourth. Um, but it, it actually confirmed a lot of the things we were. We, we've, we've been, been getting this question about. from a lot of clients. We've been there's been a few podcast listeners uh, who have who have emailed us about this as well. It's this idea of uh, how Brexit will, if at all, affect the Vancouver market. And there yeah. was an article that I think did a pretty good job summarizing it in the Globe and Mail by Natalie Pearson, um, titled um, "The Brexit Vote: Could It Heat Up the Canadian Real Estate Market?" Right. Right. Um, obviously, we're we're talking about two cities in particular, and it's the two cities that always get the most press: Toronto Ooh, and Vancouver. Well, and and but draw draw foreign investment, foreign right? Investment, because this yeah. is this is one of the things that I think Brexit. Uh, potentially is going to do here in Canada is it's going to shift a lot of those uh, foreign investors who have, you know, in the last decade or two decades been looking at London as, as a key right. uh, city to invest in real estate wise, it's going to shift their focus to other markets. Yep. And, you know, Vancouver, I think is poised, um, you know, it's already on the map. But um, if one of the things that has always appealed to people from around the world about Vancouver being social stability and political stability. And, yep. uh, that's the same, likewise in England, right? With London, s- social and political stability is a key thing. And uh, and now, now it's that it's looking risky, yeah. Now that the, the future is uncertain, um, that London real estate's not looking as uh, as attractive as it once was, and, and uh, that money's got to go somewhere. And Canada seems like a safer bet. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and North America in general. So, and some of the things, and just kind of going over what they're using as kind of evidence here. They, we're talking about commercial, and we're talking about residential. Yeah, they're estate. talking about both, right? Um, they talked to Cushman and Wakefield. Um, one of the interesting numbers that came up: four hundred forty-three billion dollars in U.S. dollars um, in global capital is currently allocated to commercial property. Um, that wealthy investors haven't currently deployed yet. Um, so basically, there's a lot of money that's going to be invested in in the international market in commercial real estate. And and I think the point being that London would draw a lot of that uh, typically that, that investment. Uh, but there's already um, you know there's already they were talking to many executives at uh, Cushman and Wakefield about um, clients basically freezing multi million dollar plans in London and considering channeling that money uh, to North America or yeah, to other elsewhere, markets right elsewhere for sure another thing is basically in central London the commercial real estate is owned seventy percent projected ownership by foreign investors and in the residential side as well i mean it's it's almost it's almost entirely dominated by foreign ownership right especially yeah they said i think the number was in 2013 that they used uh in 2013 nearly three out of four newly built homes in london were bought by foreign buyers so we're talking about a city with an exorbitant amount of international investors right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and part of this too is uh is there was an interesting number about the 18 maybe you can speak to that the 18.3 billion dollars flowing out of (laughs) Yeah, I mean they're using they're using um, stats from a couple of years back, but eighteen point three billion dollars flowed out of China in twenty fourteen. That year, half of it went to three uh, real estate markets: um, London, Manhattan, Sydney. Right. And um, you know, since then, Canada has been on the rise. That's for sure. Uh, but I wouldn't say take London out of that equation, especially with the with the pound. You know, the pound's at its lowest level since, or its lowest uh, value since 1985, I think, right right now. Of course, some people are going to see that as a huge opportunity. But 
the fact that you know what's going to happen with with uh, Brexit, you have the prime minister stepping down. Now you have the the leaders of the Leave vote um, stepping aside. It's like who's in power? There's a power vacuum. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't see um, London uh, stabilizing in a way that's going to make it a lot more attractive in anytime soon. So, right. so I think a lot of that money is. Uh, yeah, is uh, is going to flow out of London, or at least you know be redirected, which is what I said already. And can yeah, I mean, and Vancouver and Toronto are undoubtedly looking like um, good, stable markets. Right? Well, yeah, and and in that case, you know, if you're if you're staring at uh, central London prices, Vancouver is still very much on sale. That's another right. point. Um, so yeah, I mean, people are. There's been a lot of talk, um, and I feel like we've talked about. You know, you hear. It's the perennial topic about the bubble and and the slowdown right. and everything here. Um, but it, as a general rule, any sort of instability in the world usually leads to uh, the Vancouver real estate market heating up. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's that's one point. The second thing that we should say is uh, on the interest rate front. Yep, we've talked about this in the past. The Fed or, or the Bank of Canada or right. uh, the Fed especially has been um, talking about raising interest rates for a long time. Bank of Canada, not not quite as much uh, with the lagging economy here, but the Brexit vote, um, you know, throws the markets globally into turmoil and uh, and um, makes it I, very difficult to raise interest rates. I think everybody's, you know, if you were a little bit cautious before, you're you're just more cautious now. I think it's safe to say interest rates aren't aren't going up anytime soon, and um, you know that's always. Uh, a driving force. Well, a driving force. I was going to say a positive uh, factor, but you know, depending on negative. depending on your politics, um, it's going to lead to to uh, a surge in, in demand. I would think. Right, right, right. So um, maybe uh, so to summarize that, it's it's tough to say exactly how how Brexit's going to affect uh, yeah, our how markets, it's going to play but, out. You know, if there's anything to be said, it's I don't know how much of it the this money is going to be coming to Canada, but you can definitely see how how people are going to maybe potentially want to diversify and uh, global investors are going to want to diversify and and possibly redirect their funds. Yeah, I mean, if you if you list out you know the top six eight global cities that uh, the global elite are interested in investing in, uh, you know, I, Vancouver's on that list. Arguably, London's number one. Right. Um, so it's like, hey, take London out of the equation and the money's got to go somewhere. That's, For that's sure. basically the argument. And actually just, to, and I mean, this is more just thinking out loud, but um, we've had this conversation here before, not, not actually, I think on the podcast, no, maybe but just we've the, had this conversation, us, yeah. the two of us at least, um, talking about how there's this, uh, I'm not sure if I have this figure right exactly, but I'll maybe we'll look it up and put it in the show notes. But I think... The idea is about in the next 10 years or so, there's going to be as many billionaires in India as there currently are in China. Right. So, uh, you know, where where is that money going to be directed? Which which markets are they going to be investing in? Where are they going to be sending their kids to school? Where, you know, there's all yeah. these larger questions. And, and you know, those, those deep uh, colonial, colonial ties, ties right, yeah. you know, is, I think, meant that... Um, the wealthy in India traditionally send their kids to England for education yep. and and uh, see England as as the key place to to invest and live. And you know, I think the point here is with this sort of rise in, in instability and z- xenophobia, xenophobia, and, uh, sure. you know, all, all of that potentially that that uh, is going to be redirected. So. Yeah, and it could end up in markets like Sydney and Vancouver potentially. Yeah, you'd think English speaking, right? English speaking markets, strong education the, systems, yeah, and in the and Commonwealth. So 
for sure. Keep it in the Commonwealth. <laughs> yeah, so maybe what we'll do is we'll talk a little bit about the report. But first of all, you know, it is a 60-plus page report, so we're not yeah. going to hash over everything. Um, and if you, you do want to uh, look at it further, we'll put in the show notes. But I, I'm telling you, if you're, you don't, is, you what, don't. <laughs> is what I'm telling you. I, hopefully we'll highlight the kind of the main points. But yeah, there's a couple of key takeaways. And it, it's actually, it's a, it's a, they're really good suggestions. They're, a lot of the suggestions are quite obvious. I think a lot of people in our industry actually have been calling for, for this sort of thing because there are there definitely are when you're dealing with a free market when you're dealing with um, uh, overtime uh, gray areas mm-hmm. uh, you know some people operate in in broad daylight some people operate in the shadows and I, well I think and, that that's, and and then that's that's kind of a, a a fact through and through yeah on top of that you know we're in gold rush like conditions right where there's tons of people entering the industry leaving the industry, coming back. Um, not experienced agents. Not experienced uh, agents. Opportunists, uh, yeah. potentially. Yeah. And also, um, you know, people that are, I think we, it, the point needs to be made. We, you can be a realtor. You can also hold another job. So people that are, are part-timers that aren't really, maybe this isn't something that they do on a day-to-day basis. And to be quite honest, I think some of these gray areas are, are just because people don't really know the rules sometimes yeah, yeah. And, and the code of conduct. Right. 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 And, you know, there's always people calling for, for more education and it should be said, um, you know, it's, it's not the hardest thing to get a real estate license. No, it's not. It's no. not. The bar should be bar should be raised, and we we've, yeah. we've said that uh, yeah. time and time again. Yeah. And transparency too, because I mean, I honestly, I mean, one of my biggest things before I was licensed was, you know, I th- I think that uh, controlling the sales data and everything. I mean, I, there should be way more transparency in our yeah. industry, and I, and I that is that, that is exactly what this report is calling for. Sort of, if there's one kind of key through line it's yeah. it's more transparency so i mean we'll touch on a few of the the points here one sure. speaking of transparency one recommendation of the report um that i've heard uh, called for and i think is in other uh, jurisdictions um keeping multiple offers on site at at your brokerage uh right you know pass those on to your managing broker and the real estate council can can on demand see those offers uh, with the clear purpose of um, ensuring that when somebody tells you there's multiple offers, that there actually is multiple offers. Right, right, right. And this is is uh, speaking to the the anxiety that a lot of people have, which is probably validated in some cases where they they question, well, was there another offer? Well, not only that though, but it's it's. I mean, a that's that's uh, there's a lot of games played, and and you sure. know, everybody or not everybody, but experienced and and good realtors know what they're doing um but more to the more to the point here is as a buyer any leverage this is the key thing right any leverage you have is is goes out the window when there's multiple offers and Mm -hmm. the fact that an agent um you know now with that said you can walk right you don't have to write an offer you you can say i don't believe them or you write the same offer you're going to write anyway sure um but the the you know somebody can essentially take you out at the knees by telling you there's another offer and they don't have to provide proof so it is you know having some sort of system in which that proof may be required or you know even the potential it still seems i mean the idea that you're going to go to the real estate council they're going to go to the brokerage hopefully this is kind of a streamlined process where you can actually you know, yeah, it seems and I think we have to do some more some more research well, into it, just even how the I, they have it in Ontario, I believe, and 
be interesting to see how it's ran because I mean that seems like something you can really get you can get right or you can get really really wrong. really wrong and create <laughs> a massive bureaucracy around it it seems as yeah, well so sure. okay to the point of transparency another recommendation here is setting up a you know a confidential whistleblowing line um, right. where members of the public or realtors can call and and file a complaint presumably yep. very quick and painless um, you know i think in any situation real estate or not the more difficult it is to to make your um voice heard the the less uh you know the less people are actually interested in doing it so right that's that's a good thing through yeah and through um another recommendation more transparency in the disciplinary process and i think there's some loud that's voices a, in our yeah. in our industry that are calling for this where uh you know uh there's certain people that are fairly consistently disciplined and it's all behind closed doors and they might have these small fines 2500 bucks five thousand dollars here there you know still a lot of money but when you're doing the volume of business of a very busy realtor it can easily be seen as just the cost of doing business and it's never made public so right you know it would be nice that other realtors would know who who are the bad apples and the bad actors it would also uh be fantastic if the public knew for consumer and protection for, for sure con- for consumer protection and and guys like us, you know, it's an obvious point, and not to pat ourselves on the back, but this would actually be this. It makes it makes good sense. It is right. also good business for us because you know you just you, stay uh, off that list. Yeah, well, yeah, but and we're off that list, so we don't have to worry that. about it. Yeah, exactly, but more incentive to stay off that list. Well, yeah, yeah. not that we need any. <laughs> <laughs> I think Adam was just falling asleep. Yeah. Uh, okay, so there's two other points uh, that we'll get to here very quickly. Uh, one, and this is sort of a key uh, key part, limited dual agency be abolished. Adam, you so can what speak is that, to this. Yeah, what does that even mean, the limited dual agency? And a lot of people won't know, but it's limited dual agency is is one of these strange things that exists in our in our industry. And it's funny when it, when I train new agents, uh, this is often a question like, why why yeah. is this How a do, thing? What, How, yeah. Where why does this exist, yeah. and why do people think it can exist? And I and it's bothered me honestly since since I've uh, since I've I've started, and I've always told people, look, you know, go get an agent. So this is yeah. the idea. So basically, I'm selling your home. I have a buyer come up and say, well, I don't have a real estate agent. I'll go through you. On, oftentimes they think that it's going to save them, save the seller some form of commission. And now I'm in and the... And it's pre- going to be passed on to the buyer. And it's going to be passed on to the buyer. Um, and now I'm in a precarious position where I have to even-handedly uh, navigate through the the, the contract and um, uh, through through the, the the value of the property and and subjects and everything else. Well, and you're essentially and acting, yeah, on behalf of. Whereas you were just acting on behalf of the seller, now you have and I this have a kind pre-existing of, relationship with the seller, yeah, right? And so now I, you have to move and and sort of. You know, yeah. act uh, in on behalf of both uh, parties' interests, and, and it and gets complicated because if there are multiple offers as well. Honestly, since in the you know the past six seven years, I've always told people, look, go get representation if you can. Do you have a real? T- it's it's. I think it's it's important to have a buyer's agent. So now this is going to put people in a, in a different situation. They're going to do away with dual agency, and they're going to leave. Uh, basically two options for a potential buyer that first that buyer goes and gets an agent or brings an agent their own representation they right. can interview they can do whatever which in my sure mind is, is the with. 
is you know the obvious uh, sure. the obvious best bet. You get a, somebody who's in your corner, fully in your corner, has has right. their interests are totally aligned with yours and their fiduciary duties to you. Anyway, continue. Sorry. And the flip side of that is if they don't want to bring an agent, they go on no agency, a which customer means relationship. that it's they've got a customer relationship. But my obligation or the seller's agent's obligation is is to the seller still, right? So basically, they're representing themselves. So what I think this will do is put people in a position where they either have to decide, okay, well, I trust that you know whatever the outcome is, it's on me as, as somebody that has no agency relationship, I'm representing myself, or alternatively, relying on an agent. And if there's, a, if there's some, something that they're on, if there's an, a grievance after that process, then they can file it against that agent, yeah. right? Yeah, it basically, it, it makes the system a little bit more cut and dried, right? You sure. either have a realtor or you don't. There's right. no, there's no, with limited dual agency, it's always kind of uh, watching somebody walk a tightrope between two clients. Exactly. And I mean, at our listings all the time, we have a buyer that comes in and, and you say, you know, and do you have an agent you're working with? And they say, you're my agent. Ha ha ha. Like the idea of I'll, I'll write through you and save commission, but we're not your agents. We represent the sellers on yeah. the sell side. We represent our buyers on the buy side. And our whole, at the end of the day, our, our goal is to protect our clients so protect yeah. our clients and get them the best price possible right. so that's who we're working for right exactly and then the last the last point that was crucial for from the advisory committee is uh fines fines right. sort of spoke to that when uh the transparency and discipline but um, this is one that's bothered me it's bothered you it's bothered a lot of agents uh, that i've spoken to over is just how how small the penalties are for agents um who who've been through some form of misconduct i think the maximum before was ten thousand dollars yeah and which is potentially still i'm not sure where they're and at, and usually you what you'd see you'd, you'd see these not that they were always these huge infringements but they oftentimes um there would be a misconduct that would result in in about a $2,500 fine where, you know, the punishment didn't seem to fit the crime, right? Yeah. And now what they've done is they've increased uh, the, the penalty to the, for the individual for up to $250,000 and then the penalty for the brokerage to up to $500,000. So there's no argument to be made about the penalties are so low that it's just the cost. It, you, you can yeah. fly in the gray area and it's the cost of doing business, right? Yeah. I, I thought that was a, a very good thing. There's probably going to be people for all of these uh, suggestions. There's going to be people on both sides of the fence. It's going to be polarizing. But I think this is one that I, I know a lot of agents will appreciate um, mostly because uh, at least there's a, a, a big enough penalty um, you know uh, to deter some of the agents that are are operating uh, well and it works in everybody's interest right because if you're part of if you're a member of the industry and um, you know you want to uh, be proud and <laughs> when you meet people be sure. proud to tell them that you work in real estate I mean this is this is it's it's all it's good. all good. I, a lot of the comments that I've been reading about, and I, I hate reading uh, comments about realtors in in you know the the province and the Vancouver Sun and everything, just because it it just uh, it, it it gives you, you a little inside of, every time. You <laughs> dial, yeah, exactly. But I I think the the interesting thing that a lot of people don't get is is that 
you know, there's very few agents in our business that make money by being transactional and doing one off and burning every bridge that, yeah. that they come across. Most people, most agents in, I, I think most agents realize that they're trying to build a word of mouth referral business that's going to, that's exactly, going to get yeah. them, uh, through the next, through their 30 year career, right? 30, 40 year career, hopefully. Um, and, and that's the thing. I mean, you're, you're building a business based on, on your, uh, ability to serve, serve people and serve them with integrity and honesty. And that's, that's where I think it really, I think there's a perception out there that I hope will eventually go away. And maybe this is a good first step that, um, that a lot of realtors are, are just looking to, uh, to, to burn people and, and, uh, move on to the next, move on to the next where, you know, I mean, there's, I I hate to see, uh, a few bad apples spoiling the bunch. For sure. What did your old man used to say? Uh, it takes a lifetime to build a reputation. It takes 10 seconds to, to, God, I should have listened to him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Uh, there you have it, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Destroy it. I think. Yeah. Destroy it. Destroy it. Maybe. Uh, anyway, so there you have it. Uh, some of the recommendations from the report, we'll put it online. It's a uh, it's a long one. A lot of them are are uh, you know if we went through them here, we would definitely put you to sleep. Adam's already uh, yawning. And, Eyes are glazing and over. Glazed, yeah. So we'll leave it at that. Um, look forward to chatting with you next week. We'll have a guest, uh, really good guest too. So um, super excited. Yeah, Matt, how can people reach you? Seven seven eight eight four seven two eight five four or at matt at scalinarealestate.com or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at scalinarealestate.com and we got that non-partisan line i should say info at scalinarealestate.com and uh just again guys love the uh we absolutely love reading the reviews on itunes uh if you have a minute and you like the podcast you like what you're listening to um give us a review please that would be great and we read all them and we really appreciate them uh, if you don't like what you're hearing, move on to the next podcast. Um, and yeah. if you, There's uh, a lot of them out there. And if, uh, and if you want to, uh, engage with us, um, we're, we're on Facebook as well. We've got a, a Vancouver real estate podcast Facebook page and we also have, um, yeah, more and exciting things to come. So yeah. And the, the last thing is it, we should just reiterate here. We do have a promotion running for, uh, people that want to engage screen real estate in listings, thousand dollars credit, uh, towards your closing costs. Yeah. For um, sure. and that's yeah. to August 31st. So, yeah. uh, we are realtors get in touch. Uh, we love working with people and, uh, we love hearing from people from the podcast. Have a great Speak week. Soon. Have a good week, guys. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today.